AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Movie Mike Distro, and today we are talking about what I think are the best modern-day classics I'll explain what that is. I put out the question online and kind of left it up for interpretation to get everybody's ideas on what is a modern day classic. So we'll talk all about those movies. They announced the casting for the new Super Mario Brothers animated movie. I'll go through those, give you my thoughts and tell you who I would have casted in the movie. We'll get into a movie review. We'll get into a bunch of movie news on this week's episode. So much to talk about. So why waste any time? Let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast. One man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. So what is the best modern day classic? That's the question I asked online. And this all came because I actually got a package recently from the Shawshank Redemption. Warner Brothers sent over this big box. You can actually see it on my Instagram. I was opening it up. And they had, you know, Shawshank Redemption stuff from the movie. And they classify that now as a classic. But I feel like that movie is just an overall just classic movie. Came out back in 1994, and I think now is a movie that people just accept as a really great movie. If you say it's not, you probably didn't watch it, but everybody knows that movie. And I was trying to find what would fall into that category now in the 21st century. So he asked, you know, in your opinion, what would be the best modern day classic? And I kind of left it up for interpretation. I didn't put the years out there. I just kind of wanted a gauge of what everybody kind of grasped from their life and what your answer would be. So that's the reason I did that. But for this list, I'm looking at just the 21st century, starting from January 1st, 2001 till now, 2021. And I thought it was just interesting to see the variety of responses from everybody. Everything from Goodfellas, Fight Club, Breakfast Club, Forrest Gump, No Country for Old Men, Pulp Fiction, Dirty Dancing, The Departed, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a very recent one, movies like The Sandlot, Get Out, all those were thrown out there. So I love the variety of responses to this. And I think when I sat down to make my list, I was thinking of if I were going to put five different movies from five different genres into, say, the Movie Mike Museum of being the best modern day classics, what would I pick? So I pulled one movie from five different genres. We'll look at comedy, superhero movies, fantasy movies, animated movies, and then finally we'll talk about romance movies. And the criteria is it's a movie that most people have seen. And the criteria is it's a movie that most people have seen, or if they haven't seen it, they're at least aware of it. They've heard of it, can maybe name some characters from it, 
generally know the plot points. Just movies that are undeniably big movies. We'll also look at how influential they were on the genres, how much they made at the box office, their rewatchability, pop culture impact, quotability. All these things I considered when putting together this list. And we'll put all these movies into the vault. Maybe later down the line, we'll pick some other genres of movies. But I thought these were just the biggest ones I wanted to start with. So let's get into it now by opening up the vault. All right, vault is open. Let's look first at comedies. I felt like there were three movies I got it down to. Superbad from 2007, The Hangover from 2009, and Mean Girls from 2004. I feel like those are the biggest comedies we've had in the last 20 years. Both influential in their own ways. And I'll look at Superbad first. I think after that movie came out, a lot of movies tried to replicate the humor, replicate the dialogue in that movie, the jokes that came from that movie, and how big that movie was when it came out on pop culture, it was undeniable. Everybody knew McLovin, even, even if you hadn't seen the movie. You could quote at least a line or two, and I think that's the biggest thing that we don't really have in movies anymore, especially when it comes to comedy. Those great quotes that everybody knows and translates into a t-shirt. We haven't seen that in a very long time. And I think Superbad did that. It had a great cast and it's had a pretty big impact on the genre from now. We've kind of had a Superbad remake for Gen Z. Booksmart came out and it was basically taking the Superbad formula and placing it into a modern day situation. So I just think without that movie, we wouldn't have got The Hangover, which came out in 2009. But when The Hangover did come out, I mean, it changed everything from kind of the same way Superbad did. Everybody wanted to have their own hangover cast. Everybody kind of took the hangover and put it into different kind of situations. With that, you got Bridesmaids later. And at the box office, when you're looking at box office numbers, out of all these on my list, Hangover Crush not only had a part one that made $469 million, but went on to have a part two and part three. Those movies, I felt, don't really add much to the whole franchise. They essentially did the same movie three times. But with that formula, they were able to do that. So that's The Hangover. And then we go back to 2004 with Mean Girls, which I feel didn't have as much box office success, even though it was a hit, made $130 million. I felt like since, out of all these movies, it has the biggest cult following. And coming out the earliest of these in 2004, people still love this movie. And unlike the other two on this list, it's a very unique movie. It has a different formula that doesn't really follow into all these other kind of comedies. So what it comes down to on this one is which one is the classic from beginning to end just has no bad scenes, has the most memorable quotes from the movie and what movie I think the most people have probably seen. I think if I had to put one in the vault, personally... I would want to put Superbad in. I just think that's a better movie for me. I laughed probably more at that one. But that original Hangover, I rewatched it the other day. I've probably rewatched it more than any of these movies. And it was so big when it came out that I feel like more people have seen it. And if I was going to put one into the vault that I would have to rewatch over and over again, I think it's going to be The Hangover. So the best modern day comedy classic is going to The Hangover. Now we'll get into the superhero genre, which I love superhero movies. I've seen all the Marvel movies and now I've seen pretty much most of the DC movies. I've kind of gone back and watched some of the ones I, I skipped over because I wasn't really that big of a fan of or really interested in watching. And I think my favorite movie of all time I talk about a lot is The Dark Knight. I still don't fully consider that movie a superhero movie, even though it is about a superhero character. I feel like it's a little bit more than that. So I didn't feel comfortable putting it in this category. I think it comes down to two movies. Iron Man from 2008, which really kind of started everything. And we kind of forget about how big Iron Man was. And without Iron Man, I don't think any of the other Marvel movies would have really had a chance because he was kind of the heart of everything. And putting Iron Man in any of the other movies would really kind of give them a chance at success because everybody wanted to see Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. And that first one was just so good and unexpected. I felt like it set the tone for Marvel of really changing the way they were making movies. But then you have the Avengers from 2012. And there are just so many references after that movie came out in every other Marvel movie that I think that's the one people go back to the most. I feel like I've only rewatched Iron Man maybe once since it came out. 
And that was when I was kind of watching all the Marvel movies leading up to Infinity War again. I think this one kind of comes down to the story. And when you're looking at what's more memorable from both, I think it's the story of the Avengers in New York City saving the world again. That's more iconic. That's more of a classic. And I'll let the final deciding factor to be the box office numbers. Iron Man made $585 million, which was at a point to where, aside from the Spider-Man movies, Marvel was not at that level yet. But then the Avengers came in and made $1.5 billion. So in the superhero genre, we're giving the modern day classic to the Avengers. Next up, let's get into the fantasy category. And I think there are only two movies, two franchises that fit into this. Harry Potter from 2001 and also Lord of the Rings from 2001. And if you listen to the Bobby Bone Show, I actually recently just made the guys who haven't seen any of the Harry Potter movies watch the first one for the very first time. And over the weekend, I actually sat down to watch it again on HBO Max because I wanted to relive that again. And what I think that movie meant for me watching it again was it was the first time I was really kind of taken back by special effects in a movie. And I was also watching the movies that made us over the weekend, the Jurassic Park episode. And they talked about the first time they showed the movie to an audience and people were like gasping at seeing these CGI dinosaurs for the first time. And that movie was a little bit before me. I don't feel like it had that same impact on me when I watched it later. And I remember watching Harry Potter as a kid and being amazed at how a world like this could be created in a movie. And I think that's why that movie meant so much to me, why it meant so much to an entire generation, and why it's still, 20 years later, one of the biggest franchises of all time. There hasn't been a new Harry Potter movie in over a decade, yet it's still huge. There's amusement parks. There's all these things just because of this movie. And then you have The Lord of the Rings, which is a movie that, in a series that I just never really understood or got into. And it's not because I think it's too nerdy. I'm as nerdy as a guy as you can imagine. You've listened to this podcast for any amount of time. There's no me denying that. But there's something about the Lord of the Rings that never really resonated with me. And I feel like that is the more critically acclaimed series of the two. And when you look at the first one's box office numbers, Lord of the Rings made $897 million worldwide, but Harry Potter made $1 billion. And I think now people just get more excited about Harry Potter. And if I was putting a movie into a vault, I would put Harry Potter. All right, now let's get into the animated category. Looking for our classic here. I think there are three movies. One is from DreamWorks, one is from Pixar, one is from Disney. Going to the very beginning of the 21st century with Shrek from 2001, Finding Nemo from 2003 from Pixar, and then 2013 from Disney, Frozen. I think those are the biggest animated movies of the last 20 years. Box office numbers alone, you'd have Shrek at number three with 491 million. But at one point, it was the highest selling DVD of all time. And then at number two would be Finding Nemo with 949 million. And Frozen would be at number one with 1.2 billion out of those three. Going back to Shrek being the highest selling DVD at one point, and I think later Shrek 2 was the highest. I think that's a big deal, and I'll tell you why. Because DVDs in the early 2000s were a big thing. We were able to watch movies at home. But it was a different experience of VHS. The cool thing about it was you don't have to rewind them anymore, and you could click into any part of the movie that you wanted to watch and that was a big deal and it really changed the way we watched movies and I think that also kind of started the divide of not completely but some people enjoying that home experience a little bit more and the one DVD that everybody had was Shrek and how big of a pop culture impact that movie had I mean just with All-Star by Smash Mouth kind of you hear that song and most people associate that movie with Shrek but when it comes to just reaching the biggest audience and having the biggest impact I think it's Shrek out of all those like my mom doesn't watch a whole lot of movies but she knows Shrek she knows Donkey and she finds that funny and we even would watch that movie translated into Spanish and it's still funny I felt like Finding Nemo was probably more of a bigger impact on me as a kid watching that movie but it's also just more of a kids movie adults also enjoyed it but i think it was more just an impact on kids at the time and then frozen i put because of the big impact it had because of the soundtrack but as 
big and as huge as that movie was, I don't think it had the same impact on pop culture that Shrek did. So if I'm putting one into the vault, it's going to be Shrek. It's a classic. He's a classic cartoon character. He's an original cartoon character. So there we go. Four movies in the vault. We'll get into the final category I have for this week, and it is romance. And the two I boiled it down to just happen to be both Ryan Gosling movies. I mean, how could you not, right? But it's 2004's The Notebook and 2016's La La Land. And I feel like this one was easily just going to be The Notebook, just based on all the comments and messages I saw leading up to this question. Like, I didn't even have to say the genre, and everybody said The Notebook. And I think even now, more and more, I see even like guys reference a movie that's their guilty pleasure. It's always The Notebook. You hear any guy talk about their guilty pleasure movie, they're like, oh, I love watching The Notebook. And I think even people who don't watch a lot of movies, male or female, they probably seen The Notebook or reference that as like, hey, I just like to sit on the weekend, watch The Notebook and cry a little bit. Like that's everybody's kind of go-to comfort movie. And I get it. I still personally think it's a little bit overrated, but... I can't deny how big that was. Even though at the box office it only made $117 million, it's gone past that in DVD sales and all that. Like, I don't really think that reflects how big that movie was. But the movie I put against it was La La Land from 2016. And while this one did have all the critical acclaim behind it, it also did pretty well at the box office, making $448 million worldwide. And why I think this is a modern day classic is because it has that old school feel without trying. And even though it's placed in modern day, when you watch it, it has that feeling of a movie made like in the 50s, even like the 40s back then. But it felt just so modernized. And for a person like me who doesn't like musicals, after that first scene, I was all in. And aside from all the songs in the movie and the stylistic look of the movie, it also has a really great love story in it. Probably my favorite love story of the last 20 years. But when I think about the topic here, we're talking about classics. I just don't feel like La La Land is a classic. I think it's a beloved movie, and as much as I love it, more than The Notebook, I don't think it's just a full-out classic. I think maybe 10 years down the line it will be, but I feel like if you ask the average person, maybe they haven't seen it. They may know about it. But you can kind of look at La La Land. It's like, oh, that's just an artsy-fartsy movie, kind of more artistic than I want to watch. I think that's kind of the connotation around it because it does have that critical acclaim around it. So if I had to put a movie in the vault and be able to call it a classic, I would go with The Notebook. So there we go. Five movies in the vault of classics. You have The Hangover, The Avengers, Harry Potter, Shrek, and The Notebook. And that'll close up the vault. That kind of reminds me of back in the day when, again, a thing that kids don't have to deal with anymore because of Disney Plus. There was actually a thing at one point called the Disney Vault. And they would say, oh, this movie's coming out of the vault like The Little Mermaid. And once it's out, you better buy it when it's available. Because now kids can really just get onto Disney Plus and at their fingertips watch any single Disney movie. Back in the day, not only would we have to wait for it to come out in theaters, but it would take like six months for it to come out on VHS or DVD. And then Disney would do this thing of throwing movies into the vault to where if you wanted to watch, say, Snow White, you couldn't even go to the store sometimes or go to Blockbuster to rent Snow White. You would have to wait until Disney would release it out on the vault. You would have to go to a garage sale and buy it from somebody. So, but yeah, that's just a random thing that just came to my mind when I was closing the vault there. But all right. We'll come back. We'll talk about Coda, which is a new movie on Apple Plus that was actually recommended to me a lot by you guys that I should watch it. And then right after this, I will do my recasting of the new Super Mario Brothers animated movie after this. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. 
I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's talk about it. The Super Mario Brothers movie cast has been announced. I have a lot of feelings about this movie. Let's start at the top of the history of the Super Mario Brothers movie franchise, if you can call it that. You can't call it that. There's only been one. And the original one came out back in 1993, but the difference is that was live action. That was the movie where they decided, hey, let's take this video game that everybody loves and make it look completely nothing like the video game. But for as big as a disaster as that movie was, it kind of holds a special place in people's hearts of it's so bad that you kind of find enjoyment out of. And now that it's so, you know, came out so long ago, you can look back at that one and it's like, oh, yeah. Not that great. There's only up you can go when it comes to Super Mario Brothers movies. And what I think they decided to do here is other movies like Sonic the Hedgehog are now starting to have a success in the video game realm, which historically don't do very well. And I've talked about those in the past, and I think it's probably now with Sonic and Detective Pikachu that they're like, okay, let's go back, try these again, take a beloved franchise like the Super Mario games, and put this really big cast together and make a big announcement. Now, I remember seeing the poster for this movie a couple months ago. And at the time, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a fan-made poster and then realized, oh, they're really actually making this movie. It's actually coming out next year, set to come out on December 21st. And I was into it. The only kind of hesitation I had is when it comes to animated movies, I pay attention to the studios. If it's a Pixar movie, I know it's going to be great. If it's a Disney movie, I know it's going to be great. And then when it comes to DreamWorks, this is under them. It's the Illumination Animation Studios, which have done movies like Despicable Me, Minions, Sing, The Secret Life of Pets. They did the 2018 animated Grinch movie. So they're kind of in that realm. I feel like they're pretty hit or miss. I like Despicable Me. Minions was a little bit too much for me. I never got into the Sing movies. I feel like this animation studio directly markets their movies and makes them specifically for kids. Which when it comes to animation, yeah, these kind of movies, kids want to watch them. Me as a 30-year-old guy, I want to go into a movie that's made with the intention of kids enjoying it, but also adults like me enjoying it too. And when it comes to Super Mario, that's a franchise that kids like me who played the game growing up, you know, when it came out in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s with N64, you're just covering everybody here. But I have a feeling already that this is going to be like a straight-up kids movie, and that's fine. I get it. But I think we deserved, because we were given that 1993 version of Super Mario Brothers, something a little bit more. But anyway, let's go through the cast. If you haven't seen it yet, who is playing each character, and then I'll give my ideal casting if i had all the money in the world was able to make all these deals come together who would i put in the roles because i think what we saw mainly online 
was the reaction of like this looks like a parody of a movie this is horrible which is easy to say but you gotta remember just because you think they would be perfect for the role doesn't mean you can get them doesn't mean they would want to do it there's a lot of things that go into this and they're also trying to get big stars why they don't just get the voice actors from the video games is because well you want to put big actors on you know the marquee to get people to come and watch this movie get people interested and just by announcing the cast of this it has people talking so either way, it's already worked in their favor that people are well aware of this movie, whether they like who's playing the characters or not. But as Mario, you have Chris Pratt, which is probably the one I saw the most hate for. And I don't know why people don't like Chris Pratt. You know, I think he's a good actor. I like him in Guardians of the Galaxy. But I also just think we're getting a lot of Chris Pratt without asking for a lot of Chris Pratt. So maybe that's a lot of beef people have with him. And even me, I felt that a little bit too. I didn't go to automatically wanting to hate him in this role, but I just felt I've had a, a lot of him lately. And when I think of Super Mario, I just don't think of him. And maybe I don't think of any of these other actors selected either, but I just feel like Mario has to have a big, funny voice. You have to really want to connect to it. And I don't see that in Chris Pratt. He's a funny guy. I just want to see a little bit more of a range in somebody's voice to play Super Mario. And we just saw him in Onward last year and his voice acting was okay. Like I knew it was Chris Pratt the whole time. So it's just going to be hard for me to immerse myself into the Super Mario world with a lead as Chris Pratt. I just think it's the lead no one asked for. That's why some people are upset. Some people are fine with it. I just don't think he was the first one offered the role. I bet they had somebody else maybe two people before him and they got to Chris Pratt. I think it'll be okay. Not my favorite pick, but I'm not dogging on the guy. For Luigi, they have Charlie Day, who I think is a, actually a pretty good casting. You know him mostly from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. What I love about him, he has a very animated voice just from It's Always Sunny. Like he has that kind of range where I could see him as Luigi. So I think that's a pretty good pick. Although he's not the biggest household name, I think he'll do a good job in that role. Princess Peach, I really like this one. Anya Taylor-Joy, who you would know from The Queen's Gambit. She's really on the rise right now maybe you're not super familiar with the name but if you see her you totally know who that is and i kind of like that they didn't just go straight up comedic actress like maybe would be expected maybe i would even like more i wouldn't have thought of that one so i thought that was an interesting pick i'm good with that one you have jack black as bowser which i just associate jack black when it comes to animation as kung fu panda so i just by looking at the side-by-side -side of Jack Black and Bowser, I think it fits. But I think when I watch the movie, unless he does something totally different from his normal voice that he used in Kung Fu Panda, I just think they could have had someone different. Even though he's funny, he'd probably do a good job at it. I just don't think he is the perfect Bowser. I don't see him as a villain. And I would have to see just a totally different performance that he's already done when it comes to voice acting. Kind of the same way I feel about Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. Like I just saw him and we all heard him in The Lion King as Pumbaa. I get it. He's a big comedic voice. He has a very distinct voice. I'm just not 100% sold on that one either. I just wanted somebody different. And then you have Keegan-Michael Key, who I love too. But again, he was also just in The Lion King. He was also just in Toy Story 4. And he will be playing Toad, which... I feel like even from playing the video game in all capacity throughout my life, I don't really have a voice in my head associated with Toad. So maybe he can come up with something cool there. But I just think of that role, you don't have that voice really cemented in your head. You go with somebody totally different. And then rounding out the cast, you also have Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong, Sebastian Maniscalco as Spike. And then you actually have Charles Martinet, who is the actual voice of Super Mario and a bunch of other characters in the video games making some special cameos. So that kind of brings another question of why not just get the guy who is already voicing Mario that we all know that can do the Mario voice to do the movie. And I think it's mainly because you one, they put out these movies and they want to have the actors with the big names to go on and be able to promote the movie. And it's a lot easier to sell a movie when you have, you know, Chris Pratt as your Mario than it would be, oh, here's just Charles Martinet, who already does the voice. You have to explain that and go out and sell the movie. You're also just trying to make the movie different than the video game. So I am curious to see what role he will have in the movie as being the current voice of Mario in the video games. Maybe they throw in some of his, you know, dead on Mario voices throughout the movie to kind of bring it to life a little bit. 
or maybe they just have him voicing some totally different characters. But I at least like that he is involved in the movie because I know if I was him and they were making a movie and not including me in any way, I would be upset. But here we go. If I was casting this movie, I had all the money in the world. Everybody would say yes to me. This is who I would cast. As Mario, I would go with Sasha Baron Cohen. Like, I just think he has a unique voice and he would be able to take the role of Mario, totally make it his own. And that would be just so fun to watch it animated. He hasn't done a whole lot of animated work outside of like Madagascar, but I just think he would be perfect for that. I don't want him to go full on Borat or anything, but I just think I could see him as Mario. And then even if you were to go like full A-list comedic actor, like Jim Carrey would do a perfect job. I loved him as Dr. Robotnik. In Sonic the Hedgehog, Will Ferrell, who was Megamind in that animated movie that didn't do so well, but he did a great performance in that. Like, Will Ferrell completely and easily translates into an animated role. Or if you wanted to go a little bit edgier, a little more of a gruff voice, but also a big name, Shia LaBeouf. I think that would be another interesting pick to where it's something different. It's also a big name, but I think he would have a pretty cool take on Super Mario. And then if he were still alive, I really think Robin Williams would just be perfect for this because I just think he is truly one of the greatest actors we ever saw that completely and perfectly translated into voice acting, a very underrated part of his entire career. And then as Luigi, I kind of want a bit of a nerdier voice. So I would go Jonah Hill. I was like in between like Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah. They both have really unique voices, that comedic timing that I think you would need for a character like Luigi. I would either go that or somebody like cool and tough like Vince Vaughn, but I'm just going with Jonah Hill. I kind of have a man crush on Jonah Hill right now. I follow him on Instagram and I'm like totally inspired by how he's dressing now. He's gotten really into wanting to be a director right now. I'm totally just feeling the Jonah Hill vibe. So I could definitely see him and would love to cast him as Luigi. For Princess Peach, I would go totally like a comedian, like Eliza Schlesinger. I just saw her in a Netflix movie called Good on Paper. And I just feel like, her personality would perfectly translate into Princess Peach, like a very modernized version of Princess Peach. Or even from just watching Shang-Chi, I think Aquafina would also be perfect in this. And then Sarah Silverman did a really great job in Wreck-It Ralph, but I also feel like she's just so much that character that it would be hard for me to see her as Princess Peach. But she's just a great voice actress as well. And then who says she would have to be American? Somebody like Emma Watson, I think, would be another interesting choice, but that would also cost a lot of money. So, so if I were casting it, I would still go with Eliza Schlesinger. For Bowser, you want somebody intimidating. You want somebody with a big voice, somebody who sounds gravelly, somebody who sounds like they could, you know, take you down with one single punch. And the actor that comes to mind that I think would be perfect for Bowser, perfect for the villain of the movie, is none other than Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator himself. He has such a unique voice, and you can only imagine what he would be like attacking Mario. You know, Arnold, you know, everybody can do an Arnold impression, at least a little bit. You need like an older guy with like that kind of rasp, kind of disgruntled sound. I just think Arnold Schwarzenegger would be perfect. Either that or you go full-on method actor and you get Joaquin Phoenix. Kind of do what he did in The Joker and have him be just this totally demented, tormented Bowser. But I'm still going with Arnold Schwarzenegger. For Toad, I have one actor and one actor only. I don't know why they came to my mind. Maybe it's because I saw him on TikTok the other day. But I feel like Toad is such a weird character. You want to go somebody totally unique, somebody we haven't seen in a while. And I would cast Macaulay Culkin. Maybe he can even do like a throwback performance in channer his inner kevin McAllister into toad but i just think if you saw this entire big list of actors and then down at the bottom is macaulay culkin as toad you'd be like i gotta watch this movie and then finally i would round it out with donkey kong voiced by the one and only zach galavanakis and the only reason i would give him that role is because chris farley is not around to do it and looking back on some of the you know dream choices i had for this for two people who have passed away robin williams and chris farley Kind of goes into my thing of they've waited too long to make this movie. If this movie would have been made back in the 90s, maybe like directly after the original flop, they were like, all right, let's give it a second chance, but make it animated. You could have had all those actors and it could have been a completely different movie. But if I were to cast it, that's who I would pick. If any actors came to your mind, feel free to tweet me. Let me know what you would pick. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Distro or send me an email at moviemikeD at gmail.com. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. 
my best hopes. I guess identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have a, one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get into a movie review now. We're talking about a new movie on Apple Plus TV called Coda. And this one was actually sent to me so much by you guys that like, hey, you got to watch this movie. Check out this movie. And it had been on my queue for a minute. But there's been a lot of other movies I wanted to check out since. But it came out last month on Apple TV Plus. Finally sat down to watch it. And I'm really glad that I did. If you haven't heard about it, if you don't have Apple TV Plus... Maybe this movie could convince you to get it. I'll, I'll explain that later on, but here's just a bit of the trailer. You're the girl with the deaf family? Yeah. yeah. I just want to tell you right now. And you sing. Interesting. I've been coaching for Berklee College of Music. I can help you get a scholarship. I want to do this. Do you have something to say? All right, so I think I found something on Apple TV Plus besides Ted Lasso to watch. And I'd been wanting to watch this movie for a minute now, but just never got around to it. And it was because of you guys sending me all these messages like, oh, you got to watch this movie. So I was like, all right, if you guys loved it, I think I'll probably like it too. But the movie is called CODA, spelled C-O-D-A, which actually stands for Children of Deaf Adults. And the movie is about this 17-year-old girl named Ruby who is the only one who can hear in her entire family. Her mom and dad are deaf and her older brother are deaf. They live out in Massachusetts and her family has a fishing business. And what she does is she works mornings before she goes to school. She'll go out on the boat, help them out because since they can't hear, she has to be there to help them. But as you can imagine, a 17 year old girl working on a fish boat in the morning, going to school later, she's going to not smell the best. So she goes to school, she gets bullied a little bit for that, but not only because of the way she smells in her family's business, but also because her family has always just been the kind of point of ridicule, the point of her being made fun of because they make fun of her for having deaf parents, which is awful. And you learn about her struggles with that, of just having friends, of even like trying to find somebody that she likes, because that's always been her thing in this town that she's lived in since she was a kid. So she's at high school, doesn't have a whole lot of friends, and you see that she has joined the high school's choir club. And why I thought that was just kind of an interesting point to make is because it turns out she's a really great singer, but her family can't hear her sing. 
And she doesn't even know that she's a great singer because she's only been singing at home. No one has really heard her. She's been too shy to show anybody else. So she's not even sure if she's good. And while watching this movie, you learn about her struggle to want to help her family's business and be an essential part to helping them out, you know, just being a good daughter, but also wanting to pursue her new dream and also just kind of wanting to be her own person. I thought it was a really great coming of age movie of learning how you always want to be there for your family. You always want to help them out, especially when you're struggling. I think that's what stick out from this movie a lot is that her family kind of falls on hard times and it's really her ability to be there for them like more than she needs to be almost because she's just a 17 year old kid. But since she's the only one who can hear, they really rely on her a lot when it comes to running their business. But she kind of struggles with having that weight on her shoulders of like, you know, some of this stuff isn't my fault, like that I want to be a normal teenager, that I want to go out and do normal things and have a normal life. And for once have something where people don't make fun of me for. And what I think this movie did a really great job of was creating character development that you care about these characters. I haven't watched a movie that made me emotional in several different ways, not just sad, but there's moments that make you just, you know, happy. And I almost feel bad that there is some like bad language and like sex scenes in this movie because I think it's a great family movie. But there's some things you don't want kids to see in this. I just thought the story was really great. But since there are those scenes, I guess it's more of like a teenager, young adult movie than it is like a kid's movie. But it's just a great story about a family coming together and this girl really kind of learning about herself and doing something awesome. So this movie will really make you feel good. It will make you emotional. And if it weren't for a couple of scenes, I would say it's a movie you can watch with the whole family. But... Yeah, there's some cursing, some smoking, some drug use a little bit, but it kind of feels like a new family film, but it just kind of felt like a good family film to me to where it's an unconventional family, very dysfunctional, but very real. But if you have Apple TV Plus and you've seen that scrolling through, click it and watch it. I think you will enjoy it. I don't think it's a movie you need to rush to get a subscription to. But if you were on the fence wanting to start Ted Lasso as well, and there's actually a Tom Hanks movie that I'll talk about in movie news that's going to be added to there, it may be a reason to look at it or start like a, a trial for. But if I had to rate it, I would give it four out of five fishing boats. Just a very unique story, but it also just looks amazing. I feel like Apple TV Plus really kind of prides themselves on their content of just looking completely different, very cinematic, even from like the Ted Lasso episodes that looks so high quality. I really love that about Apple TV+. Plus. I think it's kind of me being a nerd when it comes to like watching things in 4K and the best quality, the best sound. Apple TV+, Plus really has that down. I think that's probably my favorite thing about them. A lot of movie news to cover. I'm just gonna roll through some stories here. My favorite trailer of the last week is a new movie called Finch that's gonna be on Apple TV+, Plus, starring Tom Hanks. It's basically, it looks like a post-apocalyptic, like a America. It's Tom Hanks and a dog, and he builds this robot, teaches it how to walk, teaches it how to talk. Here's just a little bit of the trailer. Now, if you can speak, tell me something about you. But, but, but robots must protect dog. If we don't go before that storm hits, we'll die, all of us. As soon as you can walk, we're leaving. Hey! What's all the fuss? I learned to talk dog. I don't think it likes me. So it's basically end of the world. Tom Hanks is this engineer. There are very few survivors left in the world. And he's trying to, what appears to be like, dodge this storm that's approaching. And if it gets them, it's going to kill them. He teaches the robot how to drive with a trailer, which looks pretty cool. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Mandalorian type scenario, like with the robot from the Mandalorian kind of reminded me of that. It kind of looks like that kind of setting. It also has one of my favorite formulas, which is a very minimalist cast. And then you pair that with Tom Hanks. I really am hoping this movie turns out to be pretty good, but it comes out next month on November 5th on Apple TV+. Plus. And hopefully it'll get that bad taste I still have in my mouth from that last Apple TV Plus movie with Tom Hanks called Greyhound. That movie was not that great. Also in movie news, they officially released the runtime to the new Venom movie, which comes out next week. You can be sure to listen to that review here on the podcast. 
And the movie is surprisingly only 97 minutes. So just a little bit over an hour and a half. And that's cut down from, you know, the first one was two hours and 20 minutes. And the big headline about that is with such a short runtime, it's the shortest superhero movie in decades, which I think that's kind of an interesting just a marketing tactic for them. A lot of the superhero movies now, I mean, you're lucky if you get out of there out of two and a half hours. And the reason these movies are so long is because they are so big and cinematic. And these are the type of movies that really get people into the movie theaters. Like one of the main reasons I love going to the movie theaters is to watch a superhero movie because the big screen just lends itself to that action. It lends itself to the characters. They put so much money into these movies that they deserve to be seen on the big screen. But along with that comes the longer run times. And maybe it is kind of Marvel's tactic of like, all right, we have this franchise. So many superhero movies. Let's make this one different by only making it an hour and a half. I'm kind of into that. I like the first Venom. I thought it was okay. I was like right in the middle of it. Some people really love that movie enough to give it a sequel. But this one actually looks a lot better to me. I love the character Carnage growing up. That was like my favorite superhero villain. So I am pretty excited to see this movie. And in case you're wondering like, oh, will Venom ever be in the Avengers? Here's the confusing part. Venom is actually owned by Sony. So he would never cross over into the Disney owned Marvel. So this is kind of in its whole other separate thing. So that would be cool to have. Like having Venom be the villain in Spider-Man would be amazing, especially with Tom Hardy. All the Toms in one movie, but that looks like it won't happen unless they're able to strike like a really big deal. Also in movie news, Fantastic Beasts 3 finally gets a title. The next chapter of the Fantastic Beasts franchise is called The Secrets of Dumbledore. And that's coming out April 15th, 2022, which is Easter weekend. And in case you're wondering, Johnny Depp will not be in this movie, but it will be a joint premiere on HBO Max. How I feel about the Fantastic Beast movies, the first one I loved. After I watched that one, I was like, oh, they were able to take the Harry Potter world and completely make it its own thing. And I thought that one was just a beautiful movie. It looked great. Like all the special effects in the first one, the storyline in the first one, I thought were really great. Even down to the costume design. I remember after I watched that movie, I like Googled Eddie Redmayne's wardrobe and like the jackets and I wanted to dress like him, but that jacket was very, very expensive. So I didn't pull the trigger on that one. But I thought that movie was great. The second one did nothing for me. I did not like that one whatsoever. And historically, when you make a trilogy, the third one is usually the weakest. But maybe after taking a ding on the second one, they can come back on the third one. And I do like the title, The Secrets of Dumbledore, gives you that feeling of it's like a Harry Potter movie again. And I'm glad that it looks like, at least never in my lifetime, that they will reboot the Harry Potter movies. Like, I think that would be devastating to everybody. And those movies would get ripped to shreds if they ever did that. But I do like Fantastic Beasts in the way that they are still in that world without taking anything away from the Harry Potter movies. So even if I don't love this third one, I don't think it takes anything away from the original franchise. And then finally, in movie news, I have the top worldwide box office numbers for 2021 so far. Here are the top five. At number five is Free Guy. It's made $302 million worldwide. At number four is Shang-Chi, which has made $327 million worldwide, which is pretty astonishing that that's the most recent movie on this list to come out and to already be at number four worldwide. I think that movie just had an international appeal and just very quickly arose to that amount. At number three is Black Widow with $377 million. At number two is Godzilla vs. Kong with $467 million, almost at that half a billion marker. And then at number one, can you guess it? It made $716 million worldwide, came out back on June 25th, which is also my birthday. I went to see it, rented it out of theater to watch this movie. It is F9. So as much as people hate on those movies saying they're terrible movies, it's at number one on the international box office list. So if you ever wonder why they keep making this movies, there's your answer. All right, that's going to do it for movie news. That's going to do it for this week's episode. But before I go, every single week, I shout out to one of you guys who listen to this podcast and you tweet me, you send me DMs, you send me emails at moviemikeD at gmail.com. I greatly appreciate those emails. I greatly appreciate all those messages because it really means a lot to me. I know you just hear people say that. It truly does. Like One of my favorite parts of the entire week is sitting down to do this podcast because if you know me, 
I have a lot of jobs. I work on the Bobby Bone Show as the head writer. I oversee the Nashville Podcast Network. And between those two jobs alone, there's just so many things under those and I'm always having to do. And when I sit down and do this podcast, it's just me sitting down of how I can share my thoughts with you guys, how I can connect with you guys, seeing what you said online, what you guys want me to talk about. And it's become the one kind of time in my week where I'm just completely zoned in on the thing I'm the most passionate about. So thank you guys for allowing me to do that every week and, you know, checking out the podcast, being subscribed. I don't just say that that means a lot to me. It truly does. So I hope that comes across every week when I do this podcast. So when I see the messages, I read them all. I try to shout you guys out. And this week I'm going over to Twitter at Moot177, a.k.a. Matt Owens, who Tweets me a lot over there. Really appreciate it, Matt. You're always responding to all the questions, sending in your own movie reviews. Matt, you're definitely a top listener, so I award you that. But you tweeted me the other day that you were listening back on some old episodes. And a fun fact that you had is that the house from the Netflix movie Devil All the Time is right outside of the town where you live. I just thought that was a pretty cool topic. So if anybody else listening lives or has been to a a famous movie location, Tweet me those. If you have pictures, send me those too. Just tweet me at Mike Distro. Thanks everybody for listening. If you're listening on Monday, which is release day, I hope you have a great rest of the week. And until next time, later. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.